everybody and welcome to I am your host, Keith Cork, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host here, Mr. Trey Hill. Uh, after a nice and impressive and refreshing Bulls win on a Sunday afternoon, Trey, we were just talking about it. Seems like we, whenever we have these like early games, there's always like a letdown factor where the Bulls just come out sloppy and uh, just tick us off. That didn't happen today, man. Bulls win in convincing fashion, right? They did. They came out strong. They won the first three quarters. It was a, I mean, a pretty comfortable win, all things considered. Once they got up 20, I think it was early in the second quarter. I don't think the Lakers got back to within what more than six. They got they yeah. they they cut it close a few times, but it seemed like the Bulls were able to turn it on and pull away. And we thought the Vooch ejection was maybe the start of uh, oh, the Bulls the meltdown. You know, yeah. the meltdown. And instead, it just seems like it motivated the Bulls even more. And they, they played with energy. They played with fire. And uh, just a great Bulls win to uh, start the week off. Yeah, and, uh, and, and a timely win as well because we'll talk about the standings in a bit. But I just want to stick with this game for a little longer. So let's talk about that Vooch ejection. So I know a lot of people on Twitter were ticked off about it. I mean, I follow a lot of Bulls people, so it doesn't surprise me about that. Uh, I think it was a quick whistle, right? I mean, um, he thought he was followed by Anthony Davis. Didn't get the call, uh, jawed to the ref, got a technical. Then he continued to jaw, and I think Tony Brothers was the one that gave him the second technical. So it actually wasn't Tony Brothers with the first technical, it was another ref, and then Tony Brothers gave him the second one. I mean, what did you think, man? Was it was it warranted? I mean, I kind of had the feeling that, like, I wish Gooch would have kind of shut up a little bit. I think he did go on a little far. I don't know if it was warranted for him to be to be kicked, though. What did you think? That's the, that's the key thing there. It wasn't it wasn't warranted for him to be kicked unless unless it comes out he said something right you know egregious which yeah. it didn't seem to be anything egregious it just seemed like a, a quick tech then no that's just two refs both having way too thin a skin and teeing guys up. I understand the first tech because Vooch fouled him very clearly and then did the you know did the big arms oh yeah. what did yeah. I do right. and it, you you elbowed him in the head that's what you did. And yeah. so I get, okay, you know what? I don't want to hear this. You clearly found him. You're not going to, you're not going to pull this on me. Boom. Tee him up, but give him the tee, let him say his piece and move on with the game. Yeah. I mean, he went if to the anything, bench. If anything, <laughs> tee him up, let him jaw and warn him after he jaws a little bit and say, yeah. Hey, look, if you keep it up, I'm going to tee you again and you're out of here. But right. no, it was just boom, boom. Within 20 seconds, he was gone. Yeah, it was it was really quick. I mean, he went to his own bench, too. That's the other thing. Like, he wasn't, like you said, he wasn't in, like, one of the ref's faces. He wasn't, like, being threatening. I mean, I'm sure he was ticked off. He was heated. He was saying stuff. I mean, he was definitely saying stuff towards the refs. But at the same time, like, it wasn't, like, like you said, he'd already gotten a technical. Let him say his piece. He kind of already paid for that one, right? We see, we see that happen so often where it's like, you know what? I paid for it. I'm going to get my two cents here. And they kind of say, you know, one or two more things. And then it's over. And then they move on with their lives and everything's fine. But for this one, uh, Vooch got ejected. Obviously, that was really scary. Like you said, I felt like the Bulls were going to go down like kind of a downward spiral there. Because uh, Vooch was a really key factor in that first uh, couple of quarters there on the offensive end, taking advantage of Anthony Davis in the post. And anytime they got Troy Brown Jr. swapped onto him, stuff like that. Um, so I felt like it was going to be a big loss for them. But, you know, hey, hats off to uh, Drummond, but also more more so hats off to uh, Derek Jones Jr., who stepped in for that small ball center uh, role that you like so much, Trey. And uh, Bulls really held it together. I mean, the Bulls didn't really need a big imposing center in this one, it felt like. 
No, and that was because of the activity they had on the defensive end between between the guards just trying to get deflections and just making things hard, quick rotations. There were a couple times where Anthony Davis was able to get the ball on the post, and you know when he do, when he does that against that lineup, he's just gonna he's just gonna feast. But the Bulls did a really good job of working hard and working together on the defensive end to make up for the fact that they were small, including rebounding, because the Lakers, even early on when Booch and Drummond were still in the game, Vanderbilt was had a great job uh, just tipping balls in that first quarter, just giving them extra plays. And Troy Brown Jr. made some big shots. And yeah. it just seemed like between the re- the length and the, the shooting from the Lakers, I was really worried that it was going to be a second-half stampede from them. But this Bulls team – and it, I want to stress, I really think they are led by their defense. I know they're fifth, like fifth in the league, but this game was just the perfect example of their them using their defense to lead their offense because it was all about defensive pressure and getting out in transition. Yeah, I really feel that way too. And, uh, you know, look at the box score now. The Lakers uh, somehow shot 50.7% from the field uh, on the game, which is incredible. The Bulls shot 54%, so both teams shot it really well. And yet the, the, the end score ends up 118-108. You know, when you see teams typically scoring uh, at that kind of rate, you know, 50, above 50% for both teams, it's usually ending up in like, you know, 130 to 120. So I think that's a testament also to the to the Bulls' defense. I definitely agree that they got in transition, which, you know, we've been saying over and over again, that's a key to the Bulls being uh, victorious. But here's the big thing that sticks out for me in the front box score as well, and this fits my eye test, is um, Bulls win the turnover battle. Nine turnovers for the Bulls to 18 turnovers for the Lakers. And that speaks to what you just said, Trey, where, you know, we were really jumping those passing lanes, getting up in ball handlers grills, which I love to see, uh, stopping that penetration from happening, forcing them to take jump shots. Um, you know, I love to see it, man. This is like, this is bold basketball to me. Like I love to see, you know, us actually be hard nosed on the defensive end uh, offense, you know, it comes and goes and that's true of any, any team, but your defense can be and should be consistent. So uh, I want to go ahead and shout out though a guy that I'm sure you're excited about also here, uh, Trey, but a guy that, I know Billy Dobbin recently said he's turning into a two-way player. Kobe White, man, he, um, again, contributing on both ends of the floor. Only 5-17 from the field, but uh, six assists and seven rebounds. But, man, just mixing it up, you know, getting the loose balls, getting the boards uh, on the defensive end, being a plus on the defensive end instead of a minus. I think this kid's really come into his own in, in this bench role. We've said it a few times, but I, I have to imagine you agree with me there. Sorry about that. Yeah, Kobe was just unbelievable, especially at the beginning of the night. He made those two big threes to start. And then once the, the defensive pressure kind of came up on him, he was he was able to, with his dribble, get to wherever he wanted to. It seemed like he had some really fancy dribble moves that they shouted out on the broadcast. But I think the biggest takeaway I have from this Kobe White game is the fact that he, he can shoot 5 of 17, and we still call it a, a good Kobe White game, even, you know, a very good Kobe White game because of his growth on the defense and then because of what he can do with his playmaking off of his dribble and, you know, knocking down those early shots. But the first two, two and a half years, if he shot five of 17, there was no chance we thought that it was a positive game for Kobe White. And I think that just really shows the growth and the development that he's had uh, since coming into the league. Yeah, and um, I know there's at least one play where uh, Stacey King said, you know, in, in previous years there would have been a turnover, and he was like kind of in the lane, and it turned into a decent shot attempt, um, which I believe he made. 
And that's totally true. I mean, his ball security has been just way like night and day compared to, to previous years. Only one turnover there. I'm looking at the plus minus. You know, you know me, and I don't really give a whole lot of weight to this particular stat. But he was second on the team in plus minus with Drummond being first at plus 20 and Kobe White being second at plus 19. So uh, actually, our entire bench, aside from Derek Jones Jr., was a plus uh, which again, I I think you take that with a grain of salt, but uh, but it is interesting to to note that there. But um, yeah, I, I think Kobe was great. But let's talk about Zach Levine as well, uh, the headliner here. Um, great Zach Levine game. You know, 32 points straight. But like the thing that sticks out to me is just the efficiency. And you know, you can look at a box score and say he was 13 of 19 from the field. Great. You know, he had a really hot shooting night. But that's not the case. I mean, that's. What's really the case is that he was only two of, two of five from the three-point line. He'd only shot five three-pointers. The case was he was getting to the to the rim at will. He was making correct decisions off the catch, off of a DeMar DeRozan pass, or off of a Kobe White pass, uh, or off of a Vooch pass. You know, he was making the correct decisions there and getting straight to the rim and having little uh, defensive pressure, you know, at the rim. So uh, that's what I saw. I think, you know, again, excellent decision-making from Zach here. What, what did you take away from Zach's uh, – game today uh the first half of the first quarter you could tell he was frustrated because he wasn't involved at all in the offense Mm -hmm. he just wasn't touching the ball and he had this one sequence where he forced up a shot and then got lost in the defensive rotation and gave up a three and i was really worried it was going to be a bad zach game but it seemed like from that point on he just decided he was going to get to the rim and he did over and over and i'm not sure how early anthony davis got into foul trouble but even, yeah. even if he wasn't in foul trouble, I love Jared Vanderbilt, but he's not a big rim protector, especially with a guy as athletic as Zach. Like, he can protect the rim against Io, against Kobe White, but he's not protecting the rim as as well against the player of Zach's caliber. So I, I feel like once Zach realized how easily he could get to the rim and how little resistance was there once he got there, he was just like, oh, it's going to be one of those nights. And... Uh, like you were messaging me in the middle of the game. It it was just, it was. And Zach had one, one drive. I, I think it was in the mid to late third quarter where he managed to, to fake off with his dribble, like fake off two double teams and still snake his way into the lane and get yeah. this, this floater layup. It was absolutely beautiful. And Zach, uh, he just, he really seems like he's coming into his own health wise. Uh, yeah finding his role on the offense. And it's, uh, I know I was, I was all about tanking for the lottery <laughs> odds. And I still, I still think that would be a yeah. smart choice. Probably. But man, is this exciting to watch. And it's great to yeah. see the growth from these guys going into the play-in. Yeah. It's, it's fun as a fan to watch, you know, good basketball, obviously. And I think you're right. You know, since the all-star break, um, Zach's really just looked more like himself. And I think that's been the biggest Difference. I mean, you know, definitely adding Patrick Beverly was was a, was a plus. I think we can definitely agree on that. Um, I think you know, getting healthy is is a plus there. But I think you know, the single biggest factor from the Bulls looking uh, like they did early in the season to looking like a decent NBA team at this point in the season is Zach Levine looking more like Zach Levine and doing Zach Levine things. And that that athleticism and that explosiveness is there again, uh, especially attacking the rim. And you know, he had to work to get it back. I mean, he's. Missed some time, you know, bending in and out of the lineup the last two years, basically, with with some, uh, you know, getting dinged up and stuff. But um, he plays through stuff. And, you know, at this point in time, it looks like he's, like you said, hitting on all cylinders, looks healthy. So I think, you know, he's going to show some some people some stuff in, in the play-in game and hopefully in the playoff series. But we'll have to see how that goes, uh, which we'll talk about in a minute here. There was one other person I think we have to hit on, though, in this game 
tray uh, before we move on to talking about the play-in picture. And that would be uh, Mr. Too Small himself, <laughs> Patrick, Patrick Beverly, who we did mention briefly as a plus when he added them to the roster. But uh, obviously, a big this is a big game for Patrick Beverly returning to the Lakers. He said before, you know, we're going to beat the Lakers twice when we play them. Uh, and of course, he's a bunch of bluster. Patrick Beverly is. But uh, but he he showed up in this game. Uh, he had a first you know, couple of minutes. The first couple of minutes were a little rough there. Missed a couple of threes and then had a foul. And I was like, oh, man, we're going to get this Patrick Beverly where, you know, he fouls out in 15 minutes and gives us nothing. But uh, he, he didn't. He actually came through and had a really decent game. What did you see out of Patrick Beverly out there? Oh, I mean, all of the bright spots that we continue to see, he fits in with this team so well, especially on the defense and then just being pesky, um, being active, having active hands, um, being quick on rotations, being communicative on that. end. It's just it's been such a great fit to watch this defense find a way to continue to thrive. And uh, who knew that all we needed was a little bit of steady playmaking to go along with the <laughs> defensive pressure because it's, it just seems night and day, the, the difference on offense. And I don't know if that's just a comfort level for Zach and DeMar because it doesn't even – like there are times where Beverly definitely sets things up. But uh, and I'm not there, so I can't hear him, and I haven't heard people talk about him on the offensive end. But I wonder how much Patrick Beverly is is setting things up vocally on the offensive end, because well, even if he doesn't have the ball, it seems like the offense yeah. is just flowing better, making better decisions. Well, you can see him when the when the Bulls just aren't sure what to do on an offensive possession. You'll see him pull, you know, take the ball out and point for a screen. You saw it at the end of the game there. I think he was asking for Caruso to come to the screen for him, which Caruso didn't actually do. But Patrick Beverly still got to the rim anyways. And then hit the shot over LeBron and, of course, gave him the too small where he went all the way to the floor, which was absolutely hilarious, by the way, because in no way, shape, or form is LeBron James too small to guard Patrick Beverly. But we'll take it. You know, he's got to take his, his wins whenever he gets them. He's a little guy. I get that. Uh, but, no, I, I think it is um, – he is a, definitely a, uh, a general out there, a floor general. Uh, something that we definitely you know miss without Lonzo Ball out there as well, but uh, definitely someone that does know when to slow the game down, when the direct traffic when he has to. So that is really nice to have out there. I, I totally agree with you on that one. Seems like the Lakers were looking to like leave guys like Caruso, Patrick Beverly, and Io DeSumo open from the three point line, and collectively they shot uh, looks like four of nine from the three point line. So that's really respectable. So uh, didn't quite work out for the, the Lakers in this one. Uh, if the Bulls shooters can, you know, struggle like they usually do. It might have been a different story, a different kind of type of game. But uh, Bulls shot it well from three-point land uh, today here, uh, 45.2% Trey. So, um, you know, hopefully they – I thought they shot the ball confidently from the three-point yeah. line, which isn't something you can always say about a Bulls squad. They they didn't even shoot more threes than the Lakers, but getting up 31 three-point attempts, it, it really felt like a lot – it felt like they were making a concerted, concerted effort to – when they got the ball behind the line and they were open, they were they were quick triggered. Yeah. And Kobe made two quick ones and that led to him getting that dribble penetration. And that's what you want to see from a team in today's NBA. If you're open from three, you have to shoot it and you have to you have to be ready to do it because these defenses recover so quickly. Absolutely. And I was just refreshing here because I do want to see the uh, updated standings now. Looks like they finally updated here. So the Bulls moved to 36 and 38 on the season. So two games below 500 could easily reach that 500 mark, which is just insane considering how bad we were uh, through the first half of the season. But uh, 36 and 38, that actually is tied with Toronto Raptors. Uh, Bulls, I believe, do not have a, a tiebreaker. I believe the Raptors have the tiebreaker over the Bulls. So the Bulls are still in 10th. And the Raptors are playing tonight. 
Uh, they're playing right now, as we speak, they're playing the Washington Wizards. They're up 11 to 2. Uh, the Wizards are actually soft tanking, so I really don't expect the Wizards to beat the Raptors. Uh, but, you know, the Bulls still have a shot, Trey, at, at least getting that eighth spot. I mean, they're only a game behind the Atlanta Hawks, which is, man, that's a that's a whole story for a whole other pod. We'll have to get Mr. Brad Harden on uh, from the Ethos Hawks uh, show. But the Hawks are just absolutely dreadful these days. Um, I mean, do you think the Bulls have a good chance to climb into that maybe eighth spot and get, you know, uh, the play in advantage where they only have to win one game out of two? I mean, I think they definitely have a chance. I'm looking at their schedule now. Uh, they play the Clippers next. They just mm-hmm. lost Paul George, so they're in a little bit of a scramble. And then they play the Lakers again. We just beat the Lakers. Hopefully, you know, maybe they can do it again. But mm-hmm. you got the Hornets then and a game against the Hawks, which if you can beat the Hawks in that game, boom, you've made up that game right there that you're already behind them. Um, you've also got a game against the Pistons. Yeah, you've got the the Mavericks, the Bucks, and the Grizzlies in there. But I think there's a lot of games that the Bulls could win. and Because if you're going to make up ground at this late in the game, you have to win of the majority of them because it's not like the Raptors are going to go out and just lose the rest of their games. It's not like the Hawks, you know, or the Heat are going to do that. I'm looking at the uh, head-to-head matchups between the Hawks and the Bulls. Look, looks like the Hawks are currently winning the series, the season series two to one against us. So that would be a really big game. We can tie that season series. I'm not sure what the next tiebreaker is after head-to-head. Uh, maybe it's conference. Uh, 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 no, we record. beat we beat we beat the Hawks on December twenty first. Mm-hmm. Oh, we actually have no. I'm sorry. Yes, we are up on them. Sorry, we're up. Yeah. To, I'm yeah. looking so the opposite yeah, way. Yeah, if we win this game, we'll we'll win the season series with with the Hawks. That's good. Yeah, good 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 call there. I was looking at the opposite way, but yeah. So the uh, Bulls are actually up on the season series. So that is a big one there uh, against the Hawks on April fourth. Uh, and the Bulls are home, so I, I'm liking our odds there a whole heck of a lot. But, yeah, as you were mentioning, it's not the easiest uh, rest of the season schedule right now, but I think some of those games are actually totally winnable. You were mentioning the uh, Clippers and the, and the Lakers. I mean, I don't know how much stock to put get put into this, but DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine seem to play really well out, out in L.A. because uh, I do like the uh, the Cali, Cali life. That's where they're from. Uh, so maybe that plays a part in it. Maybe they have family that they stay with or something like that. But, uh, but I really don't feel like those are really unwinnable games. I feel like they can split those. And then there's some other winnable games that you Booch got a lot of rest tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Booch got plenty of rest. Um, and I, they play the Clippers tomorrow. So that's tomorrow, the second yeah. night of the back to back. But they did get to play earlier. They're already in town. And then the only other back to back they have is the Hawks and then the Bucks this, the next night. But I'm not counting that Bucks game as a win anyway. So as long as you go all in on that Hawks game, really, realistically thinking, speaking, they don't really have a back-to-back to deal with after this Clippers game tomorrow the rest of the year where, you know, I'm expecting them to win. So, so I'm, every, trying, you know. I'm trying to count up uh, one, two, three, four. I've, I've got the Bulls going five and three. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Oh, they just want one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Yeah, five and three. That's why I have them going the rest of the way. What do you have? I, I got them going six and two. Six and two. Wow. Six and He's two. Loving He's loving it. um i do know that the brooklyn nets have one of the easiest remaining schedules out there so i'm not really hoping to catch them uh in the standings and the heat i really don't think we're gonna catch the heat either so i really think it's kind of a three-way battle here for those last three spots uh between the bulls and the raptors and the hawks and i really think the, the raptors 
are going to win out. So I think it's really between like us and the Hawks. I think in my heart of hearts, I think the Bulls are going to end up like the ninth seed. Uh, but I do think they have a, a decent chance at the eighth seed. So um, something to keep our eyes on there. If they do, do the get Raptors that- have a super easy schedule? Uh, the Raptors have, I was trying to think, I was looking at the strength of schedule a while ago, so I don't know off the top of my head uh, since we've played a few games since I looked at it, but I know that they were one of the easier ones, yeah. Uh, let me see. Remaining. I mean, they, right, they have the Heat, then they have a, at 76ers, and two games at the Celtics, and then they end the season against Milwaukee. Milwaukee might oh, have it. They actually they have a tough, I'm sorry, one of the toughest ones. So I was yeah, I was, yeah, so I don't see them winning out, uh, but having well, two games in right having two games in boston and one in philadelphia yeah that's tough maybe we do beat them uh let me see where the oh the uh hawks are actually the second hardest strength of schedule remaining also so i don't know there's a uh, the raptors uh the Char- they have two games in charlotte april 2nd and april 4th but the charlotte hornets beating uh the mavericks yeah, it was Two, a yeah, and back-to-back games. So maybe maybe they're coming, pulling something out. So actually, the right. Bulls probably have a better shot at the eighth seed than I originally thought. But I still think they end up ninth. But we'll see. Uh, if they end up ninth, then they'll have home court advantage in that 9-10 matchup, and they'll have to beat seven or eight. If they end up eighth, then they get two shots to win. They just have to win one game, uh, likely against the Heat uh, or against the Raptors or Hawks. So I like our chances, man. It's a good chance. I, I really think, Trey, I said the other day, I think it was on Twitter, but I, th- I said, or maybe it was just in a private message with some friends. But anyways, I said, uh, I think there's like a 60% chance that the Bulls pulled the the Bucks again <laughs> in a first round series. So how you feeling if that happens? Are you feeling like the Bulls take one or two games or? <laughs> I think they get one like they did yeah. before, yeah. but uh, I, I like them obviously better against the 76ers or the Celtics. I think the Bucks are the best team in the NBA. I think yeah. Giannis is just, him and Embiid and Jokic, they're the three MVP candidates. Uh, I go back and forth on whether it's Giannis or Embiid, you know, by the hour. <laughs> um, but just that Bucks squad, they're built so well. They've got Lopez with all the size. I just I, – I, I would really prefer to not see the Bucks. But it is nice to have a rivalry. And, you know, we have the history with Giannis pushing Mike Dunleavy Jr., you know, like football tackling him into the stands. Like there is – there's a little bit of history, so, you know, if we get to ride the coattails of Giannis and be a part of his story at the end of his storybook career, yeah, that's not a bad thing. I uh, I want the Celtics, man. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be selfish. I want the Celtics. I want. I just want to relive those days of the uh, baby Bulls coming into their own. It's not – I mean, it's not the same. I mean, obviously the Bulls are an older team now, but uh, I just want them. I, I feel like there's always bad blood between those two teams. And How many games can we get? Off the Celtics? I say two. I say two. I don't know. It's going to be rough. I was really hoping you were going to say four. No. No, I'm not that confident. I am not at all that confident. Uh, I think the Bulls really needed Lonzo to, to hit their ceiling here. So I'm not fooling myself just yet. It is exciting. The Bulls are winning recently. But, like, don't fool yourselves. Like, it's not the, – the Bulls are not going to be anywhere. Uh, <laughs> no. didn't take it. No, I think two two wins is like my I'll be happy with that if they get two wins off of any of those teams, honestly. The Sixers too. I think they probably get like two wins and that's it. Um there's gonna be a game or two where Embiid or, or Harden are just dreadful because that just happens sometimes to them. But um but yeah. 
So that's that's kind of the playoff picture there. Um, I don't think there was a whole lot of other Bulls news, but were there any other observations or, or things you noticed, um, you know, in that last game that you wanted to discuss here, Trey? Um, I feel like Patrick Williams continues to develop on the offensive end. We watched him take a couple different looks tonight. He had, you know, a, a dribble step back three. He had yeah. one where he penetrated and then pulled up kind of awkwardly at the elbow as I think the shot clock was running down. Um, but he just continues to take different shots, continues to develop. And as someone who, who wanted to see him take shots that weren't just the corner three or the corner three pump fake drive and try and dunk, I think he is trying to um, open up his offensive repertoire in terms of his shot selection. And that's just something I noticed. Yeah, I think the most curious thing for the Bulls at this point isn't necessarily what happens right now in the plane and all that. It's fun. I hope they do make playoffs just because we get more Bulls games to to watch and, and have fun with. And, you know, Patrick Williams gets some playoff uh, experience and, and all that good stuff. Kobe White, you know, I think there's some there's some uh, there is some positives to take away from them making the play in and making the playoffs. But I think the biggest news here for the Bulls is what are they going to do in the offseason with, you know, maybe they extend DeMar with Vooch being expiring, Kobe White need, you know, needs a new contract at this point. You know What happens with all these pieces? Which direction do the Bulls decide to go? Because at the moment, I mean, with Lonzo Ball on the sidelines, you know, you're not really contending for anything. Uh, and you need to decide, you know, am, am I going to develop my youth or am I going to continue to push my chips in uh, with Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan, which, I mean, I, I would definitely lean towards that's not going to be a winning recipe for a championship. Well, how about you, Trey? No, but the playoff experience is nice for the for the uh, the younger guys. And while I don't think this core is a you know championship level core, Zach's still young. Demar he he's getting older, so he's definitely the one that you probably look to move at next year's trade deadline, assuming things aren't working out. But Zach's still pretty young, so you can you can keep him for three more years and then look mm-hmm. to trade him for a star three you know three years down the line. Mm-hmm. Um. So for me, building a winning program, getting winning players, just kind of developing that that winning culture type of thing with Billy, you know, that's where I'm at with it. And it seems like the Bulls are on the right track because you don't have the fifth best defense in the league with Vucevic as your center. If you don't have quality, a quality defensive scheme with active defensive players around him. Yeah. And uh, I know you mentioned Billy there. It seems like you're hesitant to mention Billy because it's always such a hot topic with Bulls fans. It's funny, though, to me how the Bulls start winning and all of a sudden all the fire Billy chants have already uh, died down at this point. It's like, oh, maybe we start giving this guy some flowers. Like, again, I think he's a pretty average coach, maybe even slightly above average coach. And uh, and he's fine. I mean, I don't think there's a problem here. I think I think continuity uh, is something that they've been preaching. And that's something that I would like to see in the coaching staff. I think that's probably a, a, the biggest thing for me, at least while we have guys like Patrick Williams, Kobe White, and and Zach Levine. I think Zach's played for like what eight head coaches in his in his tenure in the NBA, which is just absolutely ridiculous. Like the, he's not that old, so I'd like some continuity there. At least, how do you feel about that? I would like if Chicago could do Zach better than we did Jay Cutler in offensive coordinators. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's a good and, and accurate. Uh, accurate comparison there but i think it's gonna do it for us guys that's really all the takeaways we have for the bulls over this uh this week here but we will be back with you uh most likely next week 
to see where the Bulls stand in the standings and, and hopefully start to break down some of these potential play in and playoff matchups. So uh, until then, I am Keith Pork. You can find me on Twitter at, at BSBP Keith. And Trey, where can people find you, man? On Twitter at Final Finally. And we are going to have a special show for you guys out soon. I'm not sure uh, Trey's working on some special for you guys. That's going to kind of tide you over when we're a little quiet. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm not going to drop too many hints, but uh, well, yeah, I can go ahead and just tell you, I guess. Why not? It's a trivia show with me and my brother with Trey hosting. Uh, and it's got some interesting tidbits uh, and some interesting uh, failures on my part and my brother's part that we'll, uh, we'll definitely laugh at ourselves about. But Trey, I'm excited to, for that to come the, out, man. The best part about the episode is that it comes down to not only – it comes down to the very end. Yeah. It comes down to the last question, and uh, we'll just leave it there. We're just going to leave it there. Anyways, go follow us, guys. Go follow the show. Give us some likes and some love. Subscribe. We will talk to you soon. Until then, peace.